Hi, this is Robert Schuler with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Cord Vines and Dots. Hi, this is Vince Mendoza, and you are listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. Hello. Hi there. Hey, it's Easter Sunday, Tom. Happy Easter, Cat Ellis. Is, did the Easter Bunny bring you some goodies? Um, he hid some eggs, and I'm still looking for them. Ah, hope they're gold eggs. <laughs> I hope so, too. I haven't found them yet. Did you know... Okay. Did you see my, my Facebook post that when you know that Easter Bunny's gone crazy? Uh, remind me. I think I probably did, but... Ten signs the Easter Bunny is nuts. Okay, number one. Oh, no, we're going number ten. Number ten. Neighbors describe him as a quiet loner. <laughs> that That's a tip-off right there. Nine, removed from a department store last December after screaming at Santa, you're going to die up there, fat man. <laughs> Ooh, cold. Eight, can't stop washing his paws. <laughs> Seven, colorful eggs now filled with Prozac. Ooh, that's not very nice. Uh, uh, six, apartment walls covered with photos of Sharon Stone. Met with Dr. Kevorkian about the possibility of a suicide egg. Four, rotting corpse of Energizer Bunny recently discovered in his crawl space. Oops. Uh, number three, won't come out of his compound in Waco, Texas. <laughs> number two, he's ippity hopped up on crack. Ooh. -oh. And number one, keeps rubbing himself for good luck. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, and happy Easter. Happy, on happy that Easter. note, um, our official produce sponsor is Melissa's Produce. Yes, yes, yes. And we can't thank them enough. Uh, this week, we're going to be receiving a package from them. Uh, with a, with uh, the ingredients to make purple potato salad. But anyway, uh, as far as I can tell, Melissa's does not have a phone app, but it's very easy to pull up their uh, their website, and you can put it on your home screen like I've done here. There's the pink low pineapples that we recently had. Are those incredible or what? Oh, they're so good. Um, they have things you can order for Easter brunch. They have uh, You can celebrate Passover. Uh, and then, of course, they're, they're still advertising the Ojai Pixie Tangerines. And uh, the recipes, appetizers, beverages, desserts, entrees, salads, sauces and seasonings, side dishes, soups and stews, tips, videos. I mean, it's just, there's so much in there you could easily get lost. So our, our big thanks to Melissa, Melissa's Produce, melissas.com. So who do we have on the show this week? We're, you know, because of it being Easter, and I wanted to kind of go back to our good friend John Crutchfield. Wonderful. Crutch. He was our first uh, musical guest when we relaunched For the, relaunch, the show yeah. in October. And and so I went back and I pulled up um, his interview and just just did his interview. I cut out all the good, the other stuff of that show and just have John. And so what? we're going to replay John and his live music. And what a nice visit we had uh, this past Wednesday at Mount Palomar Winery. Oh, with John and James? Yes, with the oh. executive chef and the winemaker. Oh, that was so much fun. And I've got to tell you, I did like the sherry. And we're going back for brunch, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> Yum. Not, not. We won't be able to go for a couple of weeks. But That's fine. We'll go, We'll get there. We're going to be at Nam Show next week. We are. Yippee. Yay. But uh, we had to 
We got to taste the cherry right out of the barrel. And we, we took a tour of the Solera, which is, it's just incredible. There are all these uh, very old barrels, and they're sitting, you, you do everything you shouldn't do to make wine. You let them cook, uh, you, and, and it's, it turns caramel, and, it's, it, and you said, I don't like sherry. I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I was but thinking you, that way, but that's not what I. But you I liked said. this, didn't you? I did like it. The first uh, first thing I tasted was like the caramel. Caramel, yeah, it's it's really exceptional. It was not in really pretty color. Yep. Um, and fascinating to see how it's made. Mm-hmm. And and James will explain the process um, when we uh, listen to the interview we did with John, uh, Jonathan, and James. Yes, and that. Uh, executive chef oh my gosh i can't wait to try his cannot food. wait to taste his food and uh young guy but so knowledgeable yes or was i just getting older and everybody seems that much younger <laughs> i don't know but shall we go on to uh start with crutchfield sure our good friend john crutchfield aka crutch, crutch. and we're so delighted to have john crutchfield with us today. Hello, Crutch. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm so happy for you guys to be relaunching. I know I, I was not here back in the day uh, when you were doing your show, but I've heard nothing but great things about it, and so I'm sure everybody will be happy that you're back on the air. Yep. Uh, John, you've been out in this area now. Well, I've known you for about two years, three years. I think longer than that. It goes back pre-COVID. It goes back pre-COVID yeah. that I met. I, I moved out here about four and a half years ago. Okay. And I met a lot of the local community, and especially the music community, pretty much right out of the gate. I got very, very lucky. It just so happened, uh, Robin and I live in historic downtown in Murrieta, and the first night that I actually officially moved in, uh, we were sitting around talking about what we were going to do. Uh, that was back in the day when it was just me and Robin. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yes, I remember those days. Um, <clears throat> and so we got on the phone God bless the internet, and we got on the phone. We just looked for like live music, and in those days, uh, the wine ranch was called Lagrange, mm-hmm. and George and Grace were playing there on a wine wine up Wednesday. They called it or something, and I, I said that's right down the street. So literally, we got up and walked walked down to the wine ranch. Uh, there, it was like only their first or second. Uh, Wednesday, so there wasn't a big crowd there, but George and Grace were there, and we sat and watched them play, and during the break, went up and started talking to them, and uh, it, it was it was wonderful. It was magical, and there was a number of other people there that I met that night, uh, Lisa Villarreal and uh, mm-hmm. some other musical people. I think Danny, Danny Chiarfaglia came yes. in that night. George and Grace, who got married since. Yes, yes, they just had their first anniversary. Yeah. They're in, they're in, uh, they're on Maui right now. Good for them. Yeah, exactly. Color me envious. One of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite islands in the world for sure. Yeah. I, I, I spent a lot of time in Hawaii growing up, and I spent most of my time in Oahu uh, and Waikiki. But mm. my sister moved over there uh, to Maui about forty years ago and lived there until she died. So I always had a great vacation home to go. Wow. It's a gorgeous island. It's, it's oh, beautiful. I, I haven't it. been there in ages. Um, but I went to Oahu and, um, gosh, what was the other? Oh, Kauai. Mm. I love Kauai. Kauai is, is probably the most beautiful because it's it's the most natural. It's the waterfalls. The least, mm-hmm. least touched by civilization. Uh, 
it's funny. Uh, my first trip to Hawaii, I was 10 years old, so that would have been 63. Uh, on Waikiki Beach, between Fort Derussi and Diamond Head, there were three hotels. Wow. I was about the same age, and I remember that you could see Diamond Head. Yeah. There weren't any high-rises. There, weren't yeah. any, there was nothing. Uh, it yeah. was just Diamond Head out there. In the and, and we went. We had such a great time, uh, Tom, that we went every summer. My dad decided mm. that was going to be our, that was gonna be our uh, vacation spot. So from, from age 10, from 63 until about 75, went every summer. And every summer, there was at least two or three new hotels yeah, on Waikiki. And by within 10 years, it was wall-to-wall. It was wall-to-wall from, from yeah. the, whole, the whole beach. Hey, I met you uh, at an open mic. Uh, was it a Mad Mike's? No, it was at... Um, T.J. Carter's? Yeah. I think that's the first time I met Braden. That was probably the first time we were there for the open mic, and you know he's my little music man. Oh yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Braden is my 13-year-old grandson, autistic grandson who loves live music, and we went there for open mic, and he met John, and you two have been best buds. Since. Best buddies ever since. That's always a highlight of one of my evenings, whether it's a gig or open mic, when Braden walks in and and gives me his double wave and and i and i know everything everything is good so. he gets up and dances too oh yeah <laughs> he loves you were sending me i remember you were sending me videos of him like singing and dancing and and to and mostly to beatles songs we have the yeah. beatles and we love the beatles in common so so what song are you going to play first uh this is an original i wrote back in the 90s uh uh it's essentially about uh what happens when you have a close relationship with somebody? It can be a marriage or a friendship or even brother-sister probably. And you have some sort of an argument or disagreement or difference of opinion and you don't resolve it. And I've, I've always found that those things kind of fester. And then if they don't get resolved months later or years later, you can be having a discussion or a disagreement about something else. And five seconds in or five minutes in, you're arguing about the thing from three years ago that you never resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that comes from personal experience, but I find it's pretty universal. So this is a song I wrote about that. It's called Echoes from the Past. And uh, so you'll see how it works. And you can start thinking about your wines as I'm playing. Seems like only yesterday Our lives were so complete The future was unlimited The world was at our feet But real life is no fairy tale And troubles often hide Till they feel the time is wrong And ambush from inside Now it seems we've stumbled hard And we are falling fast Keeping us from landing safe Are the echoes from the past Ah. We climbed our share of mountains And shouted from the top 
Sometimes it seemed I'll grow in love But never ever stop We stumbled sometimes on our way At times we even fell But always helped each other up And kept on just as well Now we face a crossroads wondering If we're gonna last brightness of our future told by echoes from the past years of love keep telling me that we can still pull through in order to survive I know what we must do gather strength from our true love and push the past away stand together brave and tall and live life for today I believe that we still have the chance the die are not yet cast the beating of our loving hearts can still the echoes from the past Echoes from the past Echoes from the past Ah John. Um, I love that. My first question is, did you and your sister work things out? Did you resolve? Uh... <coughs> uh, actually, that was that was inspired by a disagreement with my wife. Oh, your wife. Okay, right. excuse me. Um, You're then And wife. yes, we absolutely did. But I, I will tell you this. Uh, at the time I wrote it, it was not resolved. Okay. But that's why I kind of put that last verse in kind of optimistic you know I, I know we can get through this i know i know we can do it and we did and we wonderful. did and that was that was wonderful so but I, I just noticed that as i was writing it you know personally about myself but i realized the theme was relatively universal because you know you, it's hard to talk to somebody and not find that issue absolutely so anyway um go ahead well i wanted to say one thing when we were talking about george and grace celebrating their first anniversary John and Robin just got married on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, Day at, uh, at Mad Mike's. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah, so I wanted to at well, least throw that out there right now. Yes, we'll and have have I don't want Rosemary to be jealous, but we had a very, very small wedding. Uh, wedding. Um, Mike is a minister, as you right. know, he married George and Grace. Mm. So he married us at Mad Mike's, and it was just, we wanted to keep it really small, so it was just uh, Mike, Pam, who runs it, uh, right. Judy, uh, who who's there all the time uh, working there? Uh, me, Robin, and uh, our basset hounds. Our basset oh, hounds sweet. So Winston Winston was the best man, and Barney was the maid of honor. Doctor oh. Winston O'Boogie. Doctor Winston O'Boogie. That's him. <laughs> this is a song, Tom, that uh, I wrote uh, a while back, and I, I had I wrote a lot of songs when I was in college and young and just learning. Uh, m- most of which I would never play for people or, or admit that they were mine. But I did write a few good ones. And then I went off into my careers and, and spent the next 25 years practicing law and doing things where uh, the, the guitar took a back seat. And, you know, I always played it. I always had it around, but I didn't, I didn't perform. 
Uh, and uh, so for some reason, and I, I can't even explain why, but, uh, in the in the mid '90s, late '90s, I was teaching, and so I actually had some. I, I had I left the practice of law, and I was teaching and working at a university, and I had much more spare time, and so I found myself going back to and and writing some some more songs, and uh, <laughs> to my chagrin, as I looked back over my catalog, such as it was uh, of songs, virtually every song was about. Uh, heartbreak or you know she broke my heart or you know I love her so much or you know the echoes from the past or relationship kind of stuff which was all fine but it, it didn't say much for diversity so I literally sat down and said okay I'm going to write a song that has nothing to do with relationships <laughs> and uh, it wasn't easy because no. that I was obviously constantly being pulled the other direction but I remembered a lot of my good teachers in, in, in school always said whenever you're talking about writing, if, if you want to write and if you want to write anything with passion, you got to write something that you feel strongly about. So I said, okay, we're going to eliminate the romantic, the relationship side. What is it that I feel strongly about? And uh, the first thing that popped into mind was uh, uh, opinionated people, <laughs> people and, and opinionated without reason. I mean, I don't mind ha people having opinions. Everybody has opinions. Uh, but And, and uh, oddly enough, this is honestly, this was written in the 90s, uh, even though it sounds like it could have been written today. Uh, but so, and I, I'm pretty proud of this song. And also, uh, most of the songs that I've written have the same kind of structure and mood as the first one that I played for you. That seems to be where my you know, where my, my strength is. Okay. But I wanted to do something different in terms of tempo and, and well. And so I, this is a total adventure for me, uh, but it's one of my favorite songs. Uh, it's called One Way Mirror, mm. um, and it has to do with, as, as I said, opinionated people. So uh, I haven't played it for a long time, so if I screw it up, I'm yeah. not going to tell you because it's <laughs> an original and you'll <laughs> never know. We'll never know. must be nice to live life looking through a one-way mirror Just a singular perception Undistracted by reflection It's always nice to own the only point of view It always seems so clear and clean when only once I can be seen But imagine the confusion To learn it's all just an illusion You'd know it if you ever tried To see the mirror Kings and emperors get used to seeing things their own way They tell their subjects to relax And don't confuse me with the facts Mirror, mirror on the wall Can I just decide it all? 
listen with selective ears And you'll hear what you want to hear But imagine the confusion It's all just an illusion You know it if you ever try To see a mirror Once you figure it out, reality is more complex. You must think hard to find the proof if you really want the truth. And nothing worthwhile ever comes around the easy way. The only fair way to decide the mirror has to shine Then you can handle the confusion You mystify every illusion But only when you finally try And see the mirror has to shine This ain't no one-way mirror No, 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 no John Crutchfield, and this is Chords, Vines, and Dines. I think John's song is very appropriate for today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'd be surprised how many times I, when I actually play that song that they just assume that I wrote it, you know, in the last three or four years. Well, Not I so could... much. Rosemary, what did you think? She's a... Uh... Our wine dog. Yeah. Brayden, did you like John's song? Yeah. Thank you, Brayden. <laughs> My little music, ma'am. So, John, I was when I was listening to to that song, I was trying to figure out what other influences you've had music-wise in your in your songwriting, oh <coughs> and it was very hard because um, I know you love the Beatles. Yes. I mean, that's a given for every almost everybody. Right. Um, but there were some chords in there I picked up too that sound a little bit like Joni Mitchell. Right. Maybe a little bit. There was um, uh, there was actually. <laughs> unintentionally there was a lot of like Van Morrison in there too yeah okay there that's the one I couldn't think of I was trying to figure yeah. out where but I get that you I know. literally after I after I wrote it originally um, I the, the 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 tempo and the chord structure was way too much like uh, like moon dance so I, I literally had to change it to mm. make to make sure that it wasn't like that but I can still hear that in there but yeah definitely uh, I can't really say what my what my uh, influences as far as songwriting go, because I don't really consider myself a songwriter. I mean, I've written, you know, maybe fifty songs in my entire life, and maybe only oh. ten maybe only ten that I would ever admit to and actually play in public. But uh, musically, uh, my primary imp- influences are uh, the Beatles, of course, and specifically John Lennon. Uh, David Bowie, uh, who I was fortunate enough to see 20 times in concert. Wow. Uh, and wow. the first time I saw him was prior to, he was actually doing the Ziggy Stardust show 
but the album had not released yet, so nobody knew who he was or what oh. the hell he was doing. And I went to see him at the Santa Monica Civic, and the place was about half full. Mm. Uh, and he was doing Ziggy Stardust, and none of us had a clue what was going on. And we all walked out of there with our minds blown. Right. And then about two months later, the album dropped, and then it was... The rest is history. The rest is history. Uh, Elvis Costello, uh, one of my one of my favorites. Uh, I saw him a few times in the mid-'70s when he first came out, and I've followed his career ever since. Uh, Neil Young... Uh, who is primarily, along with Bob Dylan, responsible for the fact that I even ever attempt to sing at all. <laughs> <clears throat> because when I was young and learning how to play the guitar, my friends would say, you know, well, you know, because I would just play the songs, you know. I'd right. just, and they would say, Chris, you got to sing. Well, you know, I grew up with people like Paul McCartney and James Taylor and uh, uh, Karen yeah. Carpenter and Joni Mitchell, you know, people with these incredible voices, Stevie Wonder. You know, and I said, I'm, I'm, why would I ever try to sing? I can't, you know, that's crazy. I would never, I, you know, and so for a year, you know, I just, I would play instrumental stuff. And then I started listening to Dylan and, and Neil Young, and I, I was able to convince myself that, hey, you know, those guys don't have, like, the prettiest voices <laughs> in the world. But they sing with emotion, you know. They sing exactly. from the heart. From their heart. And I said, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could do that. And, uh, I mean, to this day, I only have about three or four James Taylor songs that I play, and that's only because they're so popular and so beautiful. Uh, but to me, from, from, from my opinion, growing up, James Taylor has the second most beautiful voice, male voice, uh, that I've ever heard. And, uh, so and number one is? Number one would be Jeff Buckley. Ah, yeah, Tim's son. Yes, and uh, sadly, he only had the one album before right. he passed. But his, well, of course, his version of Hallelujah is oh. iconic. Oh, and, and, yes. But that album, the Grace album, is just incredible. I came to that about 10 years too late. Mm -hmm. uh, when I say too late, meaning I'd never heard of it. I was over at a friend's house. It was after a gig, and we were playing guitars and jamming till about 3 in the morning. He was a smoker, and he was, we were at his house, but he didn't smoke in his house, so he went out to his garage for a cigarette. And uh, <clears throat> he said, hey, I'm going to go have a cigarette. And he went up and he put the Grace CD in. Mm. And so it opens, I think, with Dream Brother. And I'm listening to this song. And then I got to the middle of the second song when when uh, uh, he came back. And I looked at him. I said, what is this? What is this? And he, he looked at me like with absolute disgust in his eyes and disdain. <laughs> he said, that is Jeff Buckley. You don't know Jeff Buckley? I said, I've never heard this before. This is amazing. He got angry with me. I mean, literally angry with me. He walked over to Tom. He hit the eject button. He handed me the CD, no case or anything. He said, you take this home and listen to it and don't talk to me until, <laughs> until you've listened to this. And I went, and I, I was crazy. I mean, I, his voice, it's like a three-octave range, and it's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. But I do do some James Taylor just because people want to hear it. But I always, and people think I'm joking when I say it, but I, I mean it with, you know, from the bottom of my heart when I say, okay, I'm going to do a James Taylor song. James, wherever you are, my apologies. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't, don't, this is not, this is a, f uh, a futile effort to even duplicate anything remotely resembling your vocal abilities. But I, I just have to pay respect to the man for the incredible songs that he writes. Do you think we could uh, impose on uh, Mr. Crutchfield to do one more song while we have him in our clutches? I would, I would be happy to. This, uh, this one, Tom, is uh, I like to play this because it's uh, it's inspiring to me. This is the probably the 
not the first song I ever wrote, but uh, one of the first songs I ever wrote. The first first song that I ever wrote that I was proud of, that I that I would actually play for people. I have a handful of songs that I wrote before this. Actually, I'm in the process of rewriting one and thinking I might be able to salvage it. But this is a song. This is more typical of the, of the kind of songs that I write. This was, uh, I had a girlfriend in my junior year of high school who was like a dream come true. She was so beautiful and she was so above my station <laughs> that I, I had never even thought that I might actually, you know, have any kind of a relationship with her. And we, we were boyfriend and girlfriend for about a year and a half. Uh, About midway through my senior year, she broke up with me Mm. to go out with an older guy uh, that was going away to college. And, uh, but we still remained friends and, and she, uh, she was very, very sweet. And uh, I think uh, all, she also knew how much that I loved her, and so she kind of kept me, you know, in, in in the back pocket just in case. Uh, and uh, I, I I knew it, but I was fine with it because I, you know, what else did I have? So this is a song, and I can remember this like it was yesterday, sitting in my little tiny apartment, my freshman year in college, I'm writing this song uh, about uh, her and my feelings for her, but also knowing I, I had to know this at the back of my mind. This I, I'm thinking about this in, in reverse, you know, in retrospect. But as I was writing the song and I listened to the words now, it's uh, it's very obvious to me that I was trying to rationalize things, you know. Sure. And I, I, may, I, I tried to make it seem in the song uh, like it was a mutual thing. Are you trying and, to tell me hindsight's twenty twenty? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So I, you know, I tried to make it seem as if to just placate myself that it was a mutual decision and that's something we kind of both agreed on. When the truth of the matter was, she just absolutely crushed me. Uh-huh. Uh, so this was my way of getting back. And uh, the other thing about the song that I really like is I didn't know I literally was just starting uh, to play the guitar with any degree of sophistication, and certainly was just starting to write songs. And of all the songs that I've written, this probably has the most unique chord progression and combination. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but now, you know, 50 years later, I can still play this and, and go, oh, that, that, that sounds good. And I had, no, I had no idea what I was doing. So this song is called Love Rarely Stays Away. And uh, that was my hope at the time. And as you're listening to the lyrics, see if you can pick out the spots where I fudged on the facts a little bit and, <laughs> and, and, and made it seem like it was mutual. So... Got to get the tempo down. There we go. Time does travel, and all things with it change. It's a shame. Our hearts can't remain In love eternally But time Runs a course no one can see In 
it was fun though. The laughter that we share, love and loving. Until we found that we no longer cared for love and its future of mystery. And love, you know, it's crazy It can hit you when you're not ready No regard for time or place Or the length of its stay Now it's over Nothing left to say Don't be sad, just Remember that there's always another day And love Really stays away Love, you know it's crazy It hits you when you're not ready With no regard for time or place For the length of its stay Now it's over Nothing left to say Don't be sad, just Remember that there's no Crutchfield, and you're listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. Don't you just love him? I do. Uh, I love his music. I love his spirit. Um, I I don't think you could find a bigger Beatles fan on this planet. Maybe me, but he just loves the Beatles. Or maybe Braden. Or Braden, yes. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, just an incredible person, and um, 
just he plays all the time, and he plays a lot too with uh, with my friend Mark Cordova. Yes, and a wonderful harmonica player. And we have to get Mark on the show. We do, and I would say go to Crutch's Facebook page. If you go to Facebook and look up John Crutchfield, I'm sure you'll find him, and that's where you can find out where he's performing. Yep, exactly. So shall we get on and, uh, or do you want to play the game of food before Let's we play game of food? Okay, pick two cards, any two cards. Oh jeez. Well, you pick three. <laughs> you want to start? Okay. Wait a minute. Where were we at? Which one do you want to start with? Ingredients or regional dishes? Regional dishes. This chewy, starchy mass of mashed plantains, because. Cassava or yams and a staple carb in West Africa that accompanies soups and stews. Okay. That makes sense. It does. Okay. A. Oh, God. I can't even pronounce these things. A. Jolof. J-O-L-L-O-F. Okay. B. Mofungo. C. Fufu. F-U-F-U. Okay. That sounds very dirty. Pardon me? D. Or... Thibo, D-J-E-N-N-E. Okay, well, I know it's either B or C, and I'm going to follow my gut and go with C, Fufu. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you're guessing, you're right. Well, I watch food shows, and I've heard of Fufu. But West African? Well, Anthony Bourdain oh, went yeah, all yeah, over yeah. the world. All right, my turn. Okay. Categories, cooking tools. And techniques. Techniques. Emergency rooms have seen so many injuries associated with cutting this food that doctors have termed the problem blank hand. Is it A, bagel hand, B, mango hand, C, avocado hand, or D, coconut hand? Oh, gosh. I would I would say coconut, D. <clears throat> okay, it's got to be bagels. I would never guess this. Avocado. You're kidding. I am not kidding. No, I would. I disagree. <laughs> Coconut. Those are the hardest little things to, to cut. Okay. Or you just take a, I guess you take a hammer. You don't really use anything to cut. You just right. take a hammer. Okay. Your Ready? turn. Okay. Ingredients. Okay. What species of fish does black sea beluga caviar come from? Sturgeon. I knew that one. <laughs> you want to hear us? What are the other choices? Salmon, black cod, lionfish, or sturgeon. I knew it was sturgeon. That's an easy one. God. People and pop culture. Okay. Which food or ingredient has not been used to make Nickelodeon's edible green slime? Is it A, cornstarch, B, pudding mix, C, Applesauce or D, oatmeal, which has not been used to make Nickelodeon slime? Uh, oatmeal. Cornstarch. Cornstarch. They have not used cornstarch, too. Well, shows you what kind of mama cat I am. I don't, <laughs> don't pay attention to Nickelodeon. Okay. All right. So uh, the game of food is uh, done for this week, and uh, let's go on to our visit with uh, Jonathan and James from Mount Palomar. Sound good? Sounds wonderful.
Welcome to Cords, Vines, and Dines. We are at Mount Palomar Winery and lots of stuff going on. I see the uh, beginnings of what, a lake? Is that what I understand? It could be a little lake out there? There's going to be a, a little, well, it's larger than it looks, but uh, yeah. I could bury a lot of bodies. <laughs> Lots of places here to bury yeah. bodies, yeah. aren't there? Yeah. So uh, we're speaking with James Rutherford, the uh, winemaker, and I was remembering that I was the first person to interview you when you came on board here 10 years ago, and here we are 10 years later. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> and John, you're the uh, executive chef? Yes, sir. And uh, tell me a little bit, you've been here 10 months, and tell me tell me some of your, uh, what drives you uh, in the culinary world? Um, in the culinary world, I mean, I, I, I think I discovered this uh, passion pretty uh, early on. I was lucky enough around my 20s when I was in college. So my whole thing is, uh, you know, the whole concept behind the conviviality. So bringing food, you know, how food naturally brings people together, right? When you think of, you know, your fond moments as, you know, with a family, whether you're celebrating an anniversary, whether a birthday or, you know, anything around that, your, you know, your festivities always involve sort of food and or beverage, right? So um, the most nostalgic, uh, at least for me, uh, memories are, are, are revolving around that. So... That's sort of what sort of started it for me and, and has been my drive and motivation throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of background? Background, so I'm pretty uh, diverse. My background personally is uh, Latino. So I am from Southern California. Uh, a lot of my childhood, I came back and forth from Baja, California. So down Ensenada, you know, all that. I was, I was back and forth. I did train in Napa Valley. So I got a lot of my training in, in North, nice. North California. Yeah. And I worked my way down. I worked in a bunch of restaurants. I volunteered a lot in uh, some Michelin star restaurants and, and such, uh, uh, even food trucks. So I was pretty well versed in that aspect. I was getting experience on, on all ends. Um, and then I landed back home in San Diego and uh, did a lot of my training uh, in La Jolla. So I was there for quite a few years and uh, moved up here and uh, just now digging my roots in the in the wine country yeah, yeah. I lived in Bahamar for two years did you so, okay yeah, I'm very All familiar right. with that. yeah 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 so yeah lots of seafood lots of you know coastal ingredients uh, you know taking things that are very humble and making them great you know is really the staple down there and and a lot of what I do is again you know directly connected with that so yeah are you using your own recipes or do you absolutely so um back when i was a sous chef down in uh, uh san diego uh kind of on the side i would write my own recipes and adjust them and, and experiment um mm -hmm. the chef we had you know had amazing food mm -hmm. had amazing ingredients had amazing concepts uh, but I've always, you know, liked challenges, so I would challenge myself to recreate these or create a version of it or make a completely different uh, dish with components that were my own, you know, as, as I would like to uh, think. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I was working on those throughout the years, polishing them up. And uh, once I moved up the ladder a bit, we would put them into effect and trial and error and, and work on them. And even till now, you know, you can't, I tell everybody, you can't learn everything in the industry. It's so vast, so. Yeah, and yeah. here you've got James Rutherford by your side. Absolutely. So you have, you have this beautiful palette of wines yeah. to choose from. Yeah. When you're, uh, how much do you incorporate wine into your food? So we're we're right around the corner of really expanding on that regard. Um, we do it at every chance that we can, uh, but we're really going to tie in like right up front our bar program. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing wine cocktails, and you know with that pairings. You know you, you got to have the pairing. You know yeah. the beverage with the food, the food with the beverage, so that they work and almost leverage each other to what is an amazing experience. So, 
that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it is. It's, you know, the, the, the fortunate thing that we have here, um, along with many other, is the creative freedom. So we're allowed to really expand our wings, you know, bounce off of, you know, what the great talents are here and really exploit that and use that to, you know, our advantage. So, yeah. And are you open lunch and dinner now? Uh, what, what days, what hours? Exactly. So we're expanding. Yeah, like I said, we're doing our brunch, lunch, dinner uh, before we were doing kind of a lunch, late lunch type of deal. Uh, brunch we have on the weekends. So we'll be doing those on Saturday and Sundays. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll open at 10 and 2.30 and we'll do sort of a cutoff for the breakfast items there. And we'll carry on with the lunch service until uh, 4. Have you launched that or is that coming? That's, that's, this last weekend was our first oh, cool. weekend and it, and it was great. You I got see a great brunch reception. in our yeah. future. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I encourage you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some well-versed items on there and, and cocktails Wonderful. as well. Yeah, yeah. So James, uh, tell us about your background. I mean, with a name like Rutherford, <laughs> you're kind of <laughs> destined to be in the wine industry. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost kind of a shame at the same time <laughs> is that you're supposed to live up to that. But, um, yeah. Uh, certainly I'm not a Rutherford by blood I was adopted so, uh, <laughs> but uh, my, my sister has the Rutherford palate unfortunately she can taste absolutely every nuance which I would but I'm, and that's probably true about women have more defined taste than men anyway um, but uh, no it, it's sort of like um, I guess it was kind of a curse I ended up in business. <laughs> um, I enjoy the creativity. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of the first one back in the business after my family's hiatus from it. So, um, but I ended up down here, a long way away from Napa. Yes. So, um, but that's fine. I actually like this better than Napa. So. And you've seen a lot of changes here at Mount Palomar in the 10 years you've been here and, and extensive vineyard planting, am I correct? Yes, we, uh, we are, have recently replanted much of our vineyard and have more vineyard to plant on another piece of property. Um, it's a little scary, the amounts, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a broad palette of different things that we're going to be having, a few things different than what we had before. Um, we're adding more Italian varietals, um, so, uh, and I'm anxious to see some of the things that are going to be on the other property, because they wouldn't all fit over here. But we have a great big planting in Anico out here, mm -hmm. which is uh, not easy to find, um, as well as uh, Nerdavla out front. So those are our new additions to the palette here. Now, where'd you get your grapes from that you're planting your new grapes? Oh, um, a nursery up in uh, uh, northern uh, California, northern Central Valley, closer to Shasta, I think, is uh, Herrick. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just um, curious where you, where you get them from, or if you, do you do any cuttings from your previous? And we will be um, taking cuttings off our uh, current uh, Palomino and Pedro Ximena's, uh vineyard here to start our new sherry vineyard but oh, wow. we are still using the old sherry vineyard and you still are doing the solera uh, aren't you that's why i took the job <laughs> tell us a little bit not all of our listeners may be familiar with uh, the solera process why don't you go into that a little bit i think it's fascinating um well the solera process is an aging process it's um done out in the sun it's you do everything to sherry 
um, that you wouldn't do to any other wine. You pretty much abuse it. You oxidize <laughs> it. You, uh, you taunt it. You get it hot. Um, so we age it in the sun. You get it as hot as, as you can, really. Um, sherry is a baked um, wine. It is fortified, meaning we add high-proof spirits mm -hmm. uh, to it to raise the alcohol level, which makes it safe to put outside so it won't spoil. But uh, we get it nice and hot. The oxidation um, creates different nutty flavors and what have you. It is a sweet wine. We do a sweet sherry. We also are starting to experiment with a dry sherry. But um, it's a stair step where you have uh, various rows of, uh, of barrels out in the sun, um, which is more the modern um, container because the original containers in a Solera would have been clay. Um, so you stair step these containers out in the sun uh, with the bottom row being your first row. Our was started in 1974 so if you see a Spanish sherry um, it will have if it has a date on it that's when the Solero was started mm. we can't do that in the US because of our labeling laws we can only put vintage this is a non-vintage product but our Solero date is 1974 which means the first row was laid down in 74 next row 75 76 77 so on after five years you go back to that first row you take half the wine out of those barrels leaving half the wine in you bottle that wine you took out and then you refill from the row behind it mm. so that leaves still a little bit of that 1974 um, wine in those barrels um, so yeah what was any of a some of you weren't even here in 1974 <laughs> <laughs> yeah but rub it in it's, <laughs> it's crazy to see those barrels because are there little insects that kind of burrow in and you have to keep patching them because i mean they literally they're, they're holy it, it, yeah it they call it the ends of share i think it's really the demon share that they take out of it um but it, they they tend to leak maybe clay would have been a better um mm -hmm. uh container um but we do get barrel bores um and during the hot weather, I am out there the first thing in the morning, tapping in, you know, plugs into those <laughs> barrels, keep them going. So, yeah, it, it's, um, you must be vigilant. But truly, I would say about having a Solera, it's like I said, I, I saw that and I took the job. It's like something you read it in, you know, when you're in um, the university studying, you know, wine production. Um, it's like pornography for winemakers. <laughs> I go out there and I'm, I'm in the bookstore, the adult bookstore. So, yeah. But we are somewhat known for it. I mean, it's a niche market. Um, but people, I don't like share. Well, you haven't had our share. Oh, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would be me. That would be Kat. <laughs> yeah. So hope, hopefully you'll get to uh, persuade her. Yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, I think a lot of people just haven't had good share. Right. Uh, we're drinking your Sangiovese right now. It's delightful. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Sangio. Well, um, I always say Sangio is, a, is the good child. <laughs> it is the good child in the vineyard. It is the good child in the, it, in the uh, cellar. It is a no-muss, no-fuss sort of... Uh, grape most planted grape in italy um it's an old grape we have four clones and you know it's an older variety the number of clones that it had when we had the old vineyard we had up to seven clones but we're mm. down to four um but they're very good clones but it is a um that is a hundred percent uh 
a lot of people are confused with Sangiovese because it's often blended to, and the color changes, of course. So they don't know that it does have that sort of blood color with that little bit of brownie blood color because it is, uh, translates to the blood of God. Mm. So, um, yeah, you okay. notice with 100% uh, Sangiovese, most Sangios are, are mixed, particularly if it's a Chianti, it's traditionally very mixed. What are some other wines that are unique to Mount Palomar, uh, grape varietals that, that you won't find in most other places? Well, um, we till recently had our own clone of Cortese, which has been, the mother block has only been taken out, and that's set for replanting. But um, we do actually have our own clone, um, meaning it came to us as the only planting in the U.S. Wow. So um, <clears throat> it's uh, not very common. Um, I think there's only one other planting in California. Mm. Um, but I'm excited to get that back. We've actually had the most success with it, I think, as a white port. Oh, okay. It's oh. high acid and pear tones to it um, really work very well with port. I think most people would not care for the Italian style. Americans would not care have the palate for the Italian style um, Cortesi because it is typically styled as agave would be to kind of take the enamel off your teeth. Um, <laughs> high acid and has to be with food. Well, I think I like wine with should always be able to go with food, but it should always be able to enjoy it by itself. Um, stand alone. Um, so, yeah, it, it is kind of an unusual variety. But, you know, it, they grow it in the Piedmont. Traditionally, um, we get it riper out here. You know, when I came here, we had to get kind of accustomed to what you're <laughs> supposed to do with it. Yeah. And it's like, get it ripe. Yeah. Um, I, did, I mean, that is kind of the California-American style is fruit forward, which means we get our fruit ripe, riper. Mm -hmm. But, you know, partly is that is because we have a different climate. We're down south here. We're more on a parallel with North Africa. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we think of Mediterranean, yeah, but we're southern, southern side of the Mediterranean in the climate, and we can get things ripe here. So, um, I think probably, though, one of my favorite grapes here is Common Air. It's one that was mm. thought to be extinct. Um, they have trouble growing it in its traditional environment um, in Bordeaux, but we can get it ripe here. <laughs> so we have no problem. It does very well. Now the weather out here—we've had extended rains quite a bit. What's it done to the vineyard? Anything? Has it helped? Has it hindered? Has it delayed anything? It—we um, were actually out early um, again uh, for our bud break. But it more our problem has been controlling erosion since we have um, a newly planted vineyard without everything really established. That's been more a problem with rain here. Um, as we set high up, we're not, the feet of our roots are never really in, um, in low spots where they can, will be subject to getting lots and lots of water. Very well drained soil. As I always say about wine, um, great wine districts, look for crappy soil. <laughs> um, decompose, you know, it's basically you can either herd on this soil or you could plant grapes. I mean, that's what, it's the uh, small berries uh, that give you the more concentrated flavors, sure. um, which means you don't want overly fertile soil or overly, uh, or too much water. Um, 
we sit up on a kind of a mesa here, so, um, and the soil is a very royal drain. We probably won't see a lot of that water um, once, it get, once we get uh, down into, you know, the growing season. You want those grapes to struggle, right? Here. We, yeah, yeah. Torturing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Torture is good for the soil. So, did I say that out loud? <laughs> Never mind. Do you do winery tours? They're only by request. We're not really set up in this facility um, for winery tours. This is actually the oldest wine production um, facility in the valley. Um, Callaway is an older winery, but they rebuilt. Right, exactly. Um, so this is still the original winery. We do plan to rebuild, but um, it's not the pristine, you know, show-offy sort of situation. It is functional. And it's about the wine. And it is about the yeah. wine. So, I mean, the flow doesn't really work well for taking big tours through, and we are really tight on space. And this guy's in my space a lot. <laughs> um, he gets away with it because the food's been really good. So, Well, that's a great entrance into uh, your menu. Tell us about your menu. And, yeah. and I, I would imagine that you change with the seasons, right? Absolutely. So we, yeah, so like you said, I, th I think you nailed it. For us, the seasons are what depict what goes on the menu. Obviously, yes, you know, the chefs, I, I, I come up with the menu, we speak, we bounce off ideas, but it's really up to the weather, the land, you know, and the impact it has on anything from citrus to herbs to, you know, micro herbs to proteins. The weather 100% dictates where we go with things. Um, one year we might have a really amazing citrus, like this last season, we're jumping right on the bandwagon, we're using amazing citrus. Matter of fact, right down the street. So again, trying to really promote the sustainability and the uh, local and hyper-local products that we're highlighting through our menus. So we like to uh, use everything of what I just mentioned, not just good product. We look for the local items that are available up front, and then we outsource from there. So um, even down to our boards, you know, I had them locally made, uh, handmade, mind you, uh, straight out of a garage. So um, Artana is the person who made our olive wood boards for the charcuterie. How cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She used to provide for TJ Maxx, you know, bigger companies. Um, her company ended up being, you know, brought to home and she made us these amazing boards, right? Nice. So not just the ingredients, also the vessels, you know, so we're really trying to drive that concept of sustainability, again, remaining as local as we can and taking really humble items and making them great. Uh, we are work working on a chef's garden that we're going to have on premises so that we can physically and actively be at the forefront of that as well. Um, this garden will feature uh, a lot of our produce that we incorporate into our menus. Uh, unfortunately, we're not at the situation where we can do all of it, but we can push it as far as we can. And then again, the hyper-local, local, sustainable stuff that we can outsource. Um, in this garden, people will be able to enjoy their wine and their food. So we've taken uh, things such as uh, the planter boxes and make them into actual tables. And then again, a lot of this furniture, the benches are all made from reclaimed wood, which ties right into our concepts, right? We, I keep going back to it, but sustainability yeah, right. and, and whatnot. So again, everything from the furniture uh, layout to the vessels to the food is all directly connected to this concept. Yeah. I have to talk to you about Sassy Mama. 
<laughs> she makes uh, boutique artisan mustards, fruit butters, and uh, relishes. Oh, amazing. Chutneys. That yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll have to make an appointment. Please. You could just give them my goodies. Yeah. Please, please do. Yeah. And just off the top of my head, I had an idea, and we just may wind up on the cutting room floor, but our produce sponsor is Melissa's Produce. I don't, are you familiar with Melissa's? Melissa's? I've heard uh, of Out of me. LA. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, the yeah. biggest okay. uh, yeah. distributor of produce in the U.S. Yeah. 1,500 items at any given time. They have told me if I ever have a chef that wants to work with their ingredients, that awesome. they'll provide them. If you want to, please. Uh, anything you want to, okay. you go to melissa.com, <laughs> let me know what you have cool. in mind, and uh, we'll get it shipped to you. Yeah, and, yeah, we're all for that. Yeah, absolutely. You want to come back and do another show? No. <laughs> but yeah, to go maybe a little deeper, I mean, our, our food directly uh, is like California cuisine, so a melting pot of mm-hmm. Everything you see from the northern coast down to the bottom coast and, and the inlands and the mountains, we really try to capture scenes, if you would, of each area um, and its microclimates and what grows in those areas and incorporate those into our menus. We can't so, wait to taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as opposed to a lot of other wineries, again, nothing wrong with Mediterranean, Italian, Spain, right. what, what you typically see at you know, a winery restaurant. Uh, but I think that is really what our niche has naturally become. Right is is being able to jump on this California cuisine bandwagon and really allow us to the the creative freedom to create some really diverse uh, items. So yeah. I moved out here in um, <laughs> 1988. Okay. And this winery has changed so much. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> this yeah. was one of my go-to wineries. Okay. Okay. Um, I'd come out here, especially during the holidays, with the uh, gift shop cool. and the wines. It was beautiful. I have a several items at home awesome. I still have from, from out here yeah, and the wines were good. Hear, yeah. That's why I asked you how long <laughs> we've been out here for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had good company as far as uh, at 18 Kelper. Um, Joe Sherpin were all accomplished winemakers. Accomplished winemakers so. Yeah, there was only about a dozen wineries yeah. out here when I moved here. And um, I didn't even know it at first, and then all of a sudden I looked at the map and I went, God damn, I'm, right here. I'm moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, still, it's still a small area, though. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's, and you compare to wine districts up in the north, we are still a fairly small area. It's a friendly area. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, it's nice. I, I'm happy down here. I don't yeah. think I'd want to live anyplace else. I've yeah. been here since 2001, so, I mean, she's got me beat, but <laughs> there were maybe 20, 25 wineries when I moved here, and that's gotcha. it's doubled gotcha. yeah, yeah. and growing. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly a beautiful area, that's that's for sure. Yeah. Well, we are definitely going to come back and try the, the Sunday brunches. Please. Saturday or, or Saturday. Please yeah. do, please do, yeah. Along with the brunches, we, we do offer dinner now. Uh, mm-hmm. We will start that as of tomorrow. Oh, great. So moving forward, yeah, Thursday through Sunday, we have dinner services. Now, do you have a sparkling that you make? We have a sparkling. We have actually two. Do you? Yeah. And those will make their way to the bar as, I mean, no reason why we wouldn't use any of the local stuff we find. So, again, not just pushing the farm to table, also pushing the farm to bar concept. So everything that, you know, chef is sourcing, you know, myself or the other chefs are sourcing from the local... um, local areas, uh, especially produce, we're incorporating those into our bar. So what's your favorite on the menu right now? Uh, Item. Mm -hmm. We get a really good response, and this is a little dear to my heart. Uh, It's uh, it's a dish that has followed me 
throughout my career is the uh, grilled octopus. Mm. So um, I've always kind of um, leveled it up everywhere I've gone, if you would. Uh, but the cooking method and sort of the core, uh, um, the core structure for that dish has always been the same. So I have not changed it since I started it. I've changed maybe little components, but again, the cooking method and what makes that dish unique has always remained the same, which is uh, in the cooking methods and how we treat them. And what wine would you pair with it? Oh, 100%, you know, a lot of the wines that we do here, um, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, that such. Uh, it also has spicy. I can see how a dry Riesling uh, maybe you can elaborate a little more as to which I, ones. You know, <laughs> and, and as I say, it's the sky's the limits in reality. Yeah. You don't get stuck it's on that you must have yeah. because everyone has individual tastes. I personally yeah. would have the uh, the uh, Sangiovese Rosé. I was just going to say the Sangiovese, or, or the Sangiovese Rosé, but the red Sangiovese, I think, would be uh, perfect. If you're going with yeah. a red, yeah. yeah, that would actually be a, mm-hmm. a, a good um, choice, too. Yeah, it has that. The thing about the Octo, it has... It can go either way because it's also almost a borderline like a really hearty seafood, right? It's not a fish where right. it's super light. It's right. meaty enough to almost head into like a light protein territory. So right. the dish, because it is paired with the tomatoes and the aiolis, there's, there's components in there that almost remind you of a, of a steak and, and potato, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So why not yeah. do a red with it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. But uh, certainly, I mean, very, very diverse dish. Um, a lot of people come here from very far away just for that dish. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that's a that's there's um, a no better compliment than that as a chef to to know that and hear you know the feedback mm-hmm. you know from the from the guests directly. Your so, favorite uh, the octopus. Well, what's your favorite? I where do I start? And it is some braised ribs or whatever mm. the chair are are particular. Um, I don't want to narrow it down to just one thing. <laughs> Depends on your mood. And yeah, yeah. and everyone knows I'm moody. <laughs> this season, so <laughs> you guys are making us hungry. <laughs> no, please. Yeah, I encourage you guys to come out and we, see what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, mean, I could stay here all night. <laughs> talk and talk food and wine. It's perfect. Well, well if you stay here all night, we're going to put you to work in the, in the, in the cellar. <laughs> all right. Okay. Hey, I wouldn't mind. That'd be fun. Yeah. We've, we've been out picking grapes before. We've done, yeah, we've, we've done, gotten our hands dirty. There you go. We've been on uh, on location and yeah, got our hands dirty. Okay. One thing I would say is, picking grapes is one thing. The most difficult um, activity in the vineyard, I think, is netting. Mm. What's netting? Yeah, bird netting. Putting oh, bird, bird netting. netting. We, I mean, <laughs> this is kind of one of. The, reasons why I will never go back to Northern California is that we don't get starlings really um, mm. down here. We're probably a little too warm. So we've got the fruit off the vine before the starlings show up. But yeah, putting the netting on is... A, I think the technical term is a pain in the ass. Am I right? There you go. <laughs> yep. My eyes just watered at that. <laughs> but yeah, and, and what you put on must be taken off. Yep. Taking it off is worse than putting it on. Yeah, so we don't have to deal with that. I see over in Guanga though they have to net, so mm-hmm. you know we're just a little bit different over here. Do you have any problems with squirrels or rodents, gophers? Oh my <laughs> God! The problem is I have to name each and every one of them. Um, it, it's daunting, truly daunting. But um, no, there, there we have. If too bad, there's not a market for squirrel pelts. We'd be wealthy. 
Um, Any squirrel on the menu, chef? <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not yet. <laughs> and yeah, we probably don't want to advertise that we ever would even consider putting squirrel. On um, but um, no, I, my dog would like to get one of those squirrels. <laughs> um, there is a particular squirrel. It's named Amelia over here. That she's always gift flipping me the bird every time I see her. Oh, that's funny. Well, I didn't think of such funny. She's, I, she <laughs> looks like she's going to go after my family. <laughs> Don't mess with the problems. squirrel. Don't mess with the squirrel mafia. <laughs> I have gopher problems at home, and they're so bold. You could be. They'll come right up and look at you when you're this far from the hole. Well, they have their own whole civilizations underground. I, yeah. They have their little gopher theaters. Their little gopher freeways. Oh, they're all at my house. <laughs> Yeah, they, they do. I, I actually rode it till my front and backyard to get. That's the only thing I could do to get rid of them. And I still have one. I'm not You're up. you're breeding the the perfect. You're selecting the most resilient, perfect gopher to take over the gopherzilla. Gopherzilla. I, I expect my house to start crumbling down into the hole. That's where we get these sinkholes from. That's what happened on the 78. It was a gopher. We can't thank you both enough for your time. And uh, thank you. I'm a big fan of your wines, James. And I've had your potato leek soup, which blew my mind. And uh, we are going to be back thank you. to thank you. to dine. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> oh, and you do those bacon fry things. Oh, stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we've, we've, got our, we've got our not-so-secret menus and our secret menus. So. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you guys come out, don't feel, you know, feel free to ask. Remember okay. the bacon fry things. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? I, I want some more of that of that beautiful wine. Ah, I guess who has a bottle of it at home? I might bring it for Easter dinner. Today? That's right. Go home and grab it and bring it back. I can do that. Okay. I can do that. Uh, our thanks again to our official produce sponsor, Melissa's Produce. Go to melissas.com. They have uh, typically, at any given time, 1,500 different items that you can order. And uh, their, their delivery is exceptional. Everything is packaged well. There's, uh, if, if needed, there are ice packs in it. Uh, I've gotten uh, several orders from Melissa's, and every single time, uh, the, the, they do not disappoint. They're exceptional. More they have a special section at Stater's just for Melissa's produce. That's wonderful. They should. And um, although I found that turmeric in the regular section, but um, yeah, they've got so many things that I want to try. Yep. And so that's it for now. Well, quick reminder, if you have any suggestions, if you have any questions, you can email us and it's hello at cvdradio.com. Hello at cvdradio.com. We'd love to hear you. And speaking of Melissa's, we're going to be doing some contests in the near future. And uh, uh, somebody uh, very lucky will get a beautiful Melissa's gift basket. Can I uh, enter the contest? No. Oh, come on. Uh, no. I want the gift basket. <laughs> Not for you. Oh, darn. No gift basket for you. I guess nobody related to us can be enter the contest no. either. No. Oh, okay. All righty, then let's do this again next week. And you all have a nice Easter out there. Be safe. Watch out for that crazy Easter bunny. That nutty Easter bunny. The cute little bunny. <laughs>